And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you that we're going into a new year, new beginnings, new um, and anticipation of what you want to release into this new year. And Father, we thank you for that. Amen. So as we said on the video, I'm going to be sharing next week a bit about the vision, a bit about too fast. A little bit about what we believe God's leading us into and just update you with a few things we've got going on next year. But this morning I really wanted to just sort of start by talking a little bit about some things that I guess are precursor to next year. I just want to take a couple of scriptures and just share a couple of thoughts this morning. Philippians 3.13 says, one thing I do, forgetting these things which is behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And this, of course, is the Apostle Paul saying this. And, uh, you know, when he talks about things that are behind him, I don't only think he's talking about the negatives, but I think he was also talking about some of the successes that he had as well. Things that he'd worked hard for, things that were real achievements, but he recognised that anything that he did, that in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, they were really nothing. Uh, You know... But we also know Paul's life, and we also know that within that context, he sure had some things to forget, some things he'd done. And I'm sure that would have been part of his statement as well. And we also recognise you know, that there are things that, quite honestly, we would like to forget about our lives, wouldn't they? Things that have gone on. And a couple of weeks ago, I was actually reading an article um, just about the new year and New Year's resolutions and, and all that kind of thing. It just got me thinking about really how unusual it is, about the whole, whole New Year deal. You know, when you think about it, I mean, New Year's Day is just a day. <laughs> you know, one day becomes another day. And whether you realise it or not, that actually happens every 24 hours. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> there, there, but there is something unique about that moment because what happens is one year becomes another. There's, there's something a little bit special about that moment when the clock clicks over on the 12. It, it's almost, in a sense, like a rite of passage. And, and you know... Why is that important? Well, times and seasons are important to God. And recognising that also moments are important to us, seasons are important to us. And that the change at the new year is, is an important and significant time. And, and this year, 2015, became 2016. And, and see, here we are today. 2015 has become something that we cannot change. It's finished. Whatever it means to you, it is gone. No more, it's over. And that may be good news for some of you. You may be, oh, that's the year I don't want to remember. Or maybe it's some sadness that you say goodbye to 2015 because it was just a pretty choice year. Things went really great. But whatever you're feeling about it, it's finished. And now here we are in 2016. And, you know, let me tell you what I know about this year, 2016. 2016 is offering us unlimited potential. There should be a sense in us of growing empowerment. You see, we can do nothing about what's happened, but we can do something about what is about to happen. And and a lot of it will be determined by our choices that we make and and, um, what we do in the sense of the moment. And it's that kind of thing that, that... I guess comes when we talk about New Year's resolutions. You know, we all joke about that, don't we? Because, you know, often our New Year's resolutions last for about two minutes (laughs) and they go on pretty quickly. 
But the fact is, there is something about stepping into a new year. And I know that a month's already gone by, but, you know, with school starting again and with really in some ways for me, I always think February's kind of the, you know, January was kind of the pause time and, and February's where we started. And especially with talking about next year and next month, uh, next week, I can't even get the seasons right, next week we move in for the vision here. I just really wanted to pick up the thought of where we move from and where we move into. You see, I'd like to say this morning that, that as we move from one year to another, we're moving from our history and we're moving into our destiny. We're moving from what was to what can be. And it's an important moment for each one of us to, to live in that. And uh, let, let me give you some scriptural uh, context with Joshua chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles. And it's part of the story of, of the children of Israel moving over into the promised land. And at this particular point, it's now been 40 years that the children have been, been wandering around in the desert. The whole generation's died. And they're now getting prepared to go back into the next, go back into the promised land. And God gives them some instructions. And one of the instructions he gives them in the middle of this is that they're to pick up some stones out of the middle of the river and take them onto the land with them and build a memorial to build a memorial to where, there so they would remember what God has done. And, you, and we see that being outlined in the first part of chapter 4. And then we see it outworked in the, in the last part of chapter 4, verse 20. It says, And then of the twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their, fam- their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you should let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. That all the peoples, and here's the purpose, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that he is mighty, that you may fear the Lord God, your God forever. See, he said, what we want you to do is we want you to put these stones there so every time you walk past them and the children would ask, hey, Dad, what what are those stones there for? They'd be able to say, this is what God did. And they'd be able to tell them the story. But more than that, it was not just telling them a story. It was remembering the God who did the story. It was able to say, the God that did that is the same God that we worship today. And if God did that then, he can do it again for us today. And you see, you know what? It's important for us as a people to have places of of memorial, if you like, in in our lives, to remember the the things of God, the works of God. You know, you often see in the the history of Israel where it it says they ran into all sorts of troubles and sin and rebellion. And, And it so often says the reason they did this is because they forgot the works of the Lord. They forgot who they really were. They forgot who he really was. And you see, it's a really important thing that we have testimonies of what God has done for us. Parents, I want to challenge you. Are you telling your children the stories of God's faithfulness in your history? Telling them about your faith journey. You know, I've shared a couple of times at susan2ancestry.com and as we've gone back through history and gone back several generations and just found the inkling because we haven't known them, haven't known our, our history, or especially me, I haven't known my family. But there's been indications that in generations past, I thought I was the first, first um, you know, that, that my children, this was our first generation of faith. But I'm discovering there was actually, back three, four generations ago, there was actually faith. 
And I think those men and those women prayed for their children, and I'm here today because of that. You know, are we telling our children the stories? It's so important we do that. And I'd encourage you to find places in your life where you can draw from your history that will encourage your destiny. That will encourage your destiny. And make a memorial for her that you can put in front of your children so it can go from generation to generation so people will know that you serve God. And not only a God who has done something, but a God who will do something today. And really, that's what I want to speak a little bit about this morning. And what I want to do is speak about this this intriguing verse that we actually find up in Joshua 4 a little bit earlier on. It says this, Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So do you see the picture? Joshua took 12 extra stones and put them in the middle of the river, which the river then covered. God didn't tell him to do it. This was actually something that Joshua did of his own making. And I think, and I, you know, I've often wondered why. I've thought about this long. I thought, why, why would he do that? It's kind of crazy, really. What's the point of it? Well, I think it's this. I think one of the reasons he did this is because he wanted to leave some things behind. He wanted to leave some things behind. You see, he wanted to, he, there were some things that he didn't want to take into the promised land with him. And so he made sure they were buried in the river. And that's the idea of what I want to talk about this morning. You see, he was moving from history to destiny, from the history of a nation to their destiny. There were things that they had to take, things that they had to remember, but there were also things that they needed to forget. And as Paul states, leaving behind everything that needed to be left behind, they moved forward. Things that would drag them back into their history and shortchange their destiny. And as we go back to Philippians 3, Paul says, forgetting those things. You know, and simply that, that word there doesn't mean, oh, I'm just not going to sim- remember anymore. The word actually means to be willfully ignorant of, to neglect on purpose, or to intentionally no longer care about or nourish. Bit of a different picture, isn't it? It's not just, oh, well, I forgot that. No, no. It's not just that I forgot, but rather I am intentionally not going to nourish that thing anymore. I am not going to protect that thing that's been in my life that's been so much problem. I will not feed that thing. I will, not, I will intentionally put it aside and refuse to pay attention to it anymore. Do you see what he's saying? Do you see the power in that? I mean, it's very much like Hebrews chapter 12. Let us throw off the things that hinder us. Let us put aside every weight. Another version says, anything that restricts us, anything that drags us down on a journey, we're told to lay aside. And here's the good news that if God asks us to do it, he gives us the power and grace to be able to do it. If he instructs us to do it, the good news is that he gives us the grace to do it. There is nothing he asks us to do that he does not provide the power to be able to do. And that's the good news that we have this morning. So this, this morning, very quickly, what I want to do is I want to talk about three things that I think we need to consider about laying aside as we go into 2016, as we prepare for it. You know, <laughs> to be honest, I made a whole long list for myself, but we're not going to go into that this morning. <clears throat> we don't have time, or am I going to have the inclination to share it? I actually, I also made a long list of things I do want to take into 2016 as well, which is just as important. 
And so here are three things that I want to highlight very quickly that I'm going to leave behind in 2015. Thankfully, they're not things that have dominated my life, but they are three things that I think many of us have faced and that we need to deal with as we prepare to face 2016 with confidence and freedom. These are things that we, we need to determine we're going to pay, pay no attention to, that we're going to ignore, that we're going to lay aside and move on. And so the, quickly, the three things I want to talk about, fear of failure, excuses, and negativity and doubt. And I want to make a determination for myself for this year. Number one, I will not allow the fear of failure to determine my choices. I will not allow excuses... I will not allow excuses to keep me from taking responsibility for my place in this world. And number three, I will not allow doubt and negativity to be my default to my possibilities and destiny. So firstly, let's look at the fear of failure. You know, I think that many of us have to watch out for that. This one can stop so much advancement in our lives. And, and, you know, the funny thing is it doesn't need to be in every part of, of life. You know, you, you can be, uh, and I, it's something that really has intrigued me because I've, I've seen it. I've, you can be a, a successful businessman, an incredible entrepreneur, a great leader of people, but actually have a fear of failure when you're bringing up your own, own kids or a, as, a, as, a, as a husband or, or another part. See, it doesn't have to be in every part of our life. It can just be in one area, but it can be something that can actually inhibit us walking into that which God has for us this year. And we have to begin to make choices and decisions based on the feeling that I will do it. Because, see, so often we we base it on the feeling, if I try it, I would fail or I could fail. And so we stop confronting things that God is actually calling us to confront. You know, I, I think in some places of our lives, every single one of us, face this to a degree. I know for myself, I can remember in the early part of my ministry, things would come up and I'd honestly be scared to face them because I might fail and, and, and almost feel then the, then the people would really know the truth about me, <laughs> that I'm not prepared, that I don't have the goods. And, and so, you know, I, I'd often make these spiritual sounding excuses, you know, very reasonable reasons why I couldn't do them, you know. Oh, I don't feel led. Have you heard that one? <laughs> How many of us, and I won't ask how many, <laughs> you know, no, well, brother, I just don't feel led. Well, I tell you, the only lead that I had was in, in my backside. <laughs> I needed a good quick. The real honesty, honest thing is that, we just, that I was just scared of being, I was afraid. If I tried, I could fail, and I could fail publicly. And, and, and you know, got to be honest, that, that was part of my history. And, and, you know, not all the time. But it was there. And that's why I'm so adamant. I am absolutely so adamant that I am not going to live reasonably anymore. That I'm going to live by faith. That I'm going to live by faith and believe God and believe God's word. You know, see, you know I, here were these things. I mean, I, I'd run, I ran a successful business. I'd taken risks. But when it came to things in ministry, there was a fear of failure, something that was lurking inside me. And I had to confront that. Things had to change. And, and let me tell you what changed and what, what I think really helped cause that change. It was, I, I made some, some, some decisions and choices, but there were a couple of things that were really important to me that, that helped. 
The first one was that I encountered the love of God afresh. That I encountered the love of God. There was a fresh encounter. A fresh revelation of his love. And I had a revelation that he doesn't think of me in terms of failure and success. You know that? Neither one. Neither one. But in terms of journey. You see, he'll never stop loving me. And it doesn't depend on my performance. And when you, when you begin to gain that encounter, there is something of confidence that builds inside yourself, in your spirit, and a fearlessness comes. You can actually, um, <laughs> you almost, in a sense, want to have opportunities where you can fail because you want to extend yourself out. You actually desire places where you have to take risk. And it becomes almost, in a sense, more easy to live in that place than it does to live in that place of comfort. Because, you see, when you get into that place, you then suddenly begin to recognize the dynamic love of God. And something changes in your heart. That he's not concerned about your failure or your success. He's concerned about your journey. How are you going? Where are you headed? Those are the things that matter to him. And, and the second thing that, that really impacted me was that I just simply gained a new perspective on failure. I simply asked God, what is your perspective on failure and loss? And, and he began to teach me. He began to teach me that he doesn't care if I fail. He's not concerned about my failure because he loves me and he's concerned about me. And so I learned some things. Failure is not a stop sign, but it's rather a stepping stone. Failure is the proof that I've tried. It is the proof that I've not allowed fear to dominate and make decisions for me. It's a training ground for success. And it's the soil, the fertilizer, if you like, that nourishes the seed of progress and and advancement. Because I discovered something in my journey. All things do work together for good to those who love God. And please understand this, failure is not our objective, <laughs> okay? Failure is not our goal. <laughs> our goal is destiny. Our goal is destiny. But to in order to reach our destiny, we have to take the risk of failure. The only place you'll grow is when you live outside your comfort zone. And if we, if we don't confront the risk of failure we will never reach our destiny. Every, every victory requires the risk of failure. How many of you know who Michael Jordan is? Yeah, one of, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, and no one would consider Michael Jordan a failure all remember that failure, but look what he said. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over in my life, and that is why I succeed. He goes on to say, I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I cannot accept not trying. 
Thomas Edison, one of the greatest inventors of all time, to develop the light bulb, for which we're all thankful. He failed over and over again, and when he was asked about all his failures, his response was this, I have not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. (laughs) (laughs) What a perspective on life. Jim Carrey, we all know Jim Carrey, the comedian, whether you like him or hate him, he gave an amazing graduation speech, and he was talking about his father, And he'd said how his father had wanted to be an artist, but he was scared of failure. He was scared of not being successful, so he became an accountant. (laughs) Try to make that transition. But he also failed as an accountant. He failed. And this is what Jim Carrey said about it. The decisions we make in this moment are based in either love or fear. So many of us choose a path out of fear disguised to practicality. What we really want seems impossibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect, so we never asked for it. And he went on to say this. I learned many, many lessons from my father, but not the least of which is that you can fail at something you don't want, so you might as well take a chance at doing what you love. Isn't that good? You can fail at something you don't want, so you might as well take a chance at doing what you love. I think that that's really, really good wisdom, don't you? See, I'm not willing to have a go and fail at something I don't want, but I'm sure as heck going to have a go at something I, failing at something because I tried to get something I do love. And you see, that's why we have decided in this house that it is better to fail while reaching for the impossible God has planned for us than to succeed settling for anything else. Yeah? Let me say it again. We have decided that it is better to fail while reaching for the impossible God has planned for us than to succeed settling for anything else. Do you agree with that? I hope so, because if, you're ch- if this church is your house, buckle down, because that's the heartbeat of this church, guys. <laughs> John Woodham, again, a, a, John Woodham was a coach of the UCLA basketball team, arguably one of the greatest coaches in history, a wonderful man of God. And he said this, you can fail all the time, but you're never a failure until you blame someone else. You can fail all the time, but you're never a failure until you blame someone else. That leads to my second point, excuses. You know, there are three statements that I really believe we need to eliminate from our vocabulary in 2016. It's not my fault. There's nothing I can do about it. And some other time. You know, these are all responsibility escape clauses because they give power to our circumstances. You know, the fact is that we are salt and light to this world. And so we're called to make an impact wherever we are. We're to make a difference in our world society. And, and these are sentences that if in our vocabulary that we need... Oh, no, sorry, let me say it again. These sentences, when they're in our vocabulary, will eliminate our ability to influence the world around us. If we say things like, well, I'm not responsible for what went wrong. That may be true. But listen, we have been placed on this planet to be part of the solution. No matter whether it's my fault or not, that's not the question. The question is, what am I going to do about it? Oh, well, it's not my fault. That's not my problem. When I say that, I will never, ever be part of the solution for the things that need to be changed. 
You know, listen, we're not to take on everyone's problems and, and failures as a personal crusade to, to fix everyone. That's just the spirit of stupid. But we are called to, by the discernment of the Holy Spirit to find, you, you need, by the discernment of the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, where is my place of influence in the world I live? What, you know, see, we can change atmospheres. We can answer dilemmas. We can solve problems by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. But that will only happen if I say, if I, it'll only happen when I don't get involved in saying it's not my fault. The moment you say it's not my fault, I have no responsibility. You've lost any influence. Do you understand what I'm saying? To say there's nothing I can do about it removes the potential of the one thing that you can do. Because there's always at least one thing you can do in a situation. God speaking to Moses in Exodus 4, he says, I want you to go back and see Pharaoh, go back to Egypt. And Moses first of all, are you crazy? Do you know what's going on over there? Yeah, well, well no, listen, I'll pray about it. <laughs> you know, um, he starts making all these excuses why he shouldn't go back. I can't do this and I can't do that. And then God turns to Moses and he says, watch in your hand. What's the one thing you've got? Moses looks down as if he's never seen it before, I'm sure. Ooh, I don't know. It's a rod. God said, that's enough. That's enough. See, what you have is enough. What it is that you have in your hand is enough. It's not about what we don't have. It's about what we have that can make a difference in our world. I, I, I remember years and years ago, a friend of mine in medical aviation fellowship was, was up in Papua New Guinea, and he told me the story of this little church. And they started building this church. Well, they had a vision to build. A, the church was growing, and it was really exciting. And the pastor had a vision to start a church. And so he mapped it out, and he planned it, and he had this money. And he went and bought the bricks, and by the time he planned, he'd bought the bricks with the money he had, all he could do was the first layer of bricks around the he laid the concrete floor and he did one lot of bricks and then he ran out of money because he, he, he hadn't realised just the price of things. And so he had one, one level of bricks on that perimeter. And it sat there for six months. They didn't know what to do. Nothing happened. And then the pastor realised that he would not be able to finish it, but he also realised he could do something. He had enough money to go and buy three bricks. So he went and bought three more bricks and he put them down. And that Sunday he told his congregation, he said, this week I laid three bricks down. And when I get enough money, I'm going to lay another three bricks down. And when this friend of mine was there, they were in a church service and they took up an offering with so much joy and excitement. And he turned to one of the pastors that he was with and he said, what's this offering for? And the guy said, oh, that's the building offering. He said, oh, wow, when do you do that? He said, oh, we've done it every week for the last 17 years. They had the attitude that they were going to do it, even if they had to do it three bricks at a time because they had three bricks in their hand. See, to believe there is nothing I can do is such a lie. If nothing else, you can pray. And hey, praying is effective. You can do something about what is going on in your life. You can do something about what is going on in your world. You can do something. What is in your hand? 
You've got three bricks. Lay them down and then trust God for three more. Something we talk about all the time in healing. So many people come and, and say, oh, you know, I, I want to I I learn how to grow in healing. Well, who have you prayed for? Oh, no one. But I want to get better. Well, how can you get better without praying? You know, duh. <laughs> pray, you know, and you'll get better. The more people you pray for, the more people you see get healed. And I just want to challenge you. What is in your hand? See, we get so caught up in grandiose ideas and grandiose things, but it just takes what you have. Do something with it. You know, some of the greatest companies in the world started with just simply one person who had one small thing, and he started with that, and it grew up. You know, listen, we carry the creator inside us. Don't you think that he has some creative ways to use it, the, the one thing we have, that we can make a difference in our world? Listen, I do not want to take excuse into 2016. I do not want to take it into 2016. You know, the whole idea, well, well, not now, you know, I've got other stuff. To be honest, lots of times that's just procrastination. And you know what? It often removes us from participating in a miracle. Let me tell you something that you need to take into 2016. He is the God of now, and he is ready to do something. And the question is, are you ready to partner with him in what he wants to do? He is just saying, will you do something with me? You know, no, well, not now. The time's not right. I've got this. Listen, the time will never be right. You know, when, when we started out on this journey here, you know, people would say to us, you know, you've got to get things sorted out. You've got to get things sorted out at home. There's all these huge issues that, that, that we have to face. How can you be talking about kingdom advancement? How can you be talking about having conferences that are going to impact the nation? How can you be talking about sending ministry teams out? Isn't there so much you need to do? Don't you really need to get the foundation strong? Listen, we're never going to get it all perfect. (laughs) We're people. We're human beings. God says, go into the world. And people say, hang on a minute, I've got to straighten all those out people out around me before I can go. Jesus wasn't, look at the people he, sent, he, he hung around with. Yeah. Only time that Peter ever took out his foot out of his mouth was to change feet. <laughs> he was always in trouble. You know, think about it. And it wasn't interesting with them that so often, you know, even for them in Jerusalem, they had an incredible experience. What happened? They hung out in Jerusalem. They weren't ready to go. Jesus told them to go into all the world, but they were happy to hang out with what they had. And so God had to put a bit of fire under their butts, give them a bit of persecution to get them out. And they moved to Samaria and they started the greatest revival that changed the world. It's never going to be the right time. Are there times that we need to wait for things? Of course there are. But let's not, let not that be your default. I dare you, let your prayer for 2016 be say, God, can I do it now? Instead of, oh God, I don't want to do it now. (laughs) Turn my, see, I want to turn my what is into why nots. See, 2016 is going to be a year of why not. Why not us? Why not now? Why not here? If God's done it in the past, 
why can't he do it here now? If he's done it with that group, why can't he do it with us? And it's also going to be a year of hope. I really believe that. And I am going to live, I have determined in my heart, I'm going to live in hope and not delay. Finally, doubt and negativity. You know, I refuse to feed the doubt, the disease of doubt and the infection of negativity in my life. I want to respond out of hope and the possibilities that are always in the heart of God that he has for each one of us. It says he knows the plans that he has for us and they are for a future and a hope. And that's where we can live. It doesn't matter whatever your circumstances are telling you. Well, come on, Trent, I'm a realist. I just live in reality. Well, you know what? I think there are two realities. One is the facts and the other is the truth. And the truth is based in God's promises and God's word. And we can choose which one we're going to live with in 2016. See, we can look at a problem and see a stop sign, or we can look at the same thing and say, you know, I think I can fix that. Or if I can't fix it, I, I know of someone, or I, know, I think I'm going to go and find out a way of fixing it. Let's not look at problems as stopping points, but rather as an opportunity, a challenge to move into greater things. I'm just not going to let doubt and negativity be my default in my life. I tell you, I've lived there. You know, I really can't convey how much negativity and doubt has clouded my life for so many years. The default had always been that, you know, not only was the glass half empty, it was cracked and leaking. <laughs> Rapidly, you know. That's where I lived. Honestly, ask Sue. <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> Patience of, well, I don't know. But I tell you what, as we move into 2016, I want that dead. It's going into the river. We washed away. Back to Philippians 3.13. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind us and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, instead of fear of failure, excuses that doubt and negativity... I choose faith. I simply choose faith because that's what pleases God. And, you know, here's the good news. Do you realize that God has given us, every, every single one of us, a measure of faith? Every one of us in this room, God, it has been given to you by God. And that measure of faith can be exercised. And you know what? It's not the size of our faith that's important. It's the, the, the lacking of that faith. It's the lack of taking risk with that faith that you have. You know, Jesus is in a boat one day and he's asleep. And the disciples, are, uh, you know, it's been a tiring day. It's been a hard day of, of, of ministry. And Jesus is just worn out and he's asleep and a storm hits. And the disciples just totally freak. And they go over and, and they wake him up. And Jesus says, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? Why do you fear? You know, and we often look at that and we, we think that he's saying that their faith wasn't big enough. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, you have faith, but you didn't use it. He's saying, you have little faith. That's all you need. Because you see, when you have a little bit of faith, you can move a mountain. 
And so it was actually what we have before us for 2016 is an invitation by God to step into a miracle. That's what we've been given. We've all been given a measure of faith. And that faith allows us to cross the line from mediocrity into a place of God's presence at a whole new level to embrace the kingdom more and to see miracles transpire in your life and in your atmosphere around you. That's what he's calling you to. That's what he's calling you to. He's calling each one of us into that. Sometimes it's a very small thing that starts it, but when you act in faith in the smallest way, it can change everything. And I want to challenge you in that this morning. Make 2016 a year of faith. Do away with doubt. Do away with the fear of failure. Do away with excuses. And determine in your heart that this year you're going to step into something new. Yeah? Now, I gave you each received the rock when you came in here this morning. So, you know, he is with our, who is with us. Oh, no, wrong. So it's the, you've been given this rock. And what I want to do this morning, I want us to do an, a symbolic act of faith. Or I want to invite you to do a symbolic act of faith with us this morning. What I want to invite you to do is those three things may not resonate with you, but there may have been something else that God spoke to you about this morning saying, hey, you know, actually, before I, did anyone not get a rock? Anyone, a couple of people here, can we quickly give out some rocks? There may be something else that God spoke to you about this morning while I was speaking. And I want this morning, as we begin 2016 as a symbolic act, whatever it is that God's spoken to you, I want you to determine in your heart and say, Lord, I'm going to lay that down for 2016. And then I'm going to invite you to come up and put them in one of these buckets as a symbolic act of faith saying, Lord, I lay aside the things of 2015 as I embrace 2016. That sound good? Who else needs stones? There's a couple of people still waving hands. Over there, over here. Um, Tui, it's down here. You're happy to do that? You know, it, it is acts of faith. Sometimes we think these sorts of things, but in the determination of your heart, as you put the rock in this morning, I want you to say, Lord, I lay aside whatever it is the Lord's spoken to you about for 2015, and I am going to fully embrace 2016, full of faith, full of hope, full of um, the determination that I'm going to see God act in my life and in my own culture this year. Yeah, sound good? Let's do that. If we can just have some music, just come on up, quickly do it. There's uh, three buckets up the front here. So come on, someone do lead the way. Put the music on. Think of what you're laying aside. Don't just do it. Think of what you're laying aside. Make a determination.
Okay. Okay, okay. Let's all stand, shall we? Nothing will be impossible for you. That was a declaration. Do you believe that? Yes. Cool. And be positive. Some days we all die snoopy, true, but on all the other days we will not. <laughs> That's good. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? Father, we declare over ourselves that 2016 is going to be a year of hope, a year of miracles, a year of faith. And Lord, this morning we take, as we've laid those stones down, we lay aside the excuses. We lay aside those things that may have have, um, held us, bound us in 2015. We release them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we look to the future with hope and with joy, knowing that our God is the God who is going to do impossible things in our midst. And Father, we're going to take risks and we're going to be participators of miracles as we go forth declaring the goodness of Jesus and as we see heaven released on earth. Amen.